text for this morning's sermon is John 14, verses 16 and 17. Here we read Jesus' promise concerning the Spirit. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today we celebrate Pentecost. Remember the gracious work of the Lord Jesus Christ in pouring out his spirit on the church. This was in fulfillment of the many promises God made to his people. Already during the Old Covenant, the prophets had spoken of a time when God would dwell among his people more intimately and richly than before. John the Baptist spoke of how the coming Messiah would bestow the gift of the Spirit on his people. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Thus, Pentecost was the fulfillment of many promises. The fulfillment of these promises was indeed a rich blessing for the early Christian church. The Holy Spirit enabled the apostles to speak the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. The Spirit opened the hearts of many so that they were receptive to the gospel message. On that first Pentecost, 3,000 people believed and were baptized. A strong vibrant church grew. They continued in the apostles' teaching, in fellowship, in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, and in prayer. They shared their possessions with those in need. They witnessed their faith in such a way that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. If we look at the early Christian church, we see a great love for the Lord and zeal for his service. Then as we celebrate Pentecost today, questions can arise. Does the Lord still grant his spirit to the church today? And if so, why is there so much worldliness and weakness within Reformed churches? If we are temples of the Holy Spirit, how come we so often walk with one foot in the church and the other foot in the world? Why don't we experience more of the unity and harmony that there was in the early Christian church? If the Holy Spirit is present and active in our midst, why do we have so little growth from the community around us? Could it be because we're not dependent enough on the Spirit of God, because we fail to live 
out of the reality of Pentecost. Our text of this morning details Christ's promise to send his spirit upon his disciples after he left them. It speaks about who the Holy Spirit is and about what he would do. It comforts us with a message that after Christ's ascension into heaven, he has not left us alone. Our text gives us insight into what we can expect from the Holy Spirit today. Explains that he dwells with us and is in us. The Spirit leads us to Christ. He makes us share in all his blessings. He will abide with us forever. It's by receiving these promises and living out of them that we too can grow in love for the Lord and in zeal for his service. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. At Pentecost, Christ fulfilled his promise to give the Holy Spirit as our helper to be with us forever. We'll see when the Holy Spirit came, how the Holy Spirit helps, and in whom the Holy Spirit abides. The words of our text are set in a very specific context. The Lord Jesus was nearing the end of his earthly ministry. John 13 records how Jesus had eaten the last Passover meal with his disciples. It tells us that Judas had already gone out from the midst of the disciples in order to betray the Lord Jesus. It tells us that the Lord had already spoken to Peter about his coming denial. In the first verses of John 14, Jesus spoke to his disciples about how he was going to leave them. He told them he was going to his father's house to prepare a place for them. The Lord Jesus had come to the last day of his life on earth. It's in that context that he makes a very rich promise to his disciples. A promise about how, although he would leave them, he would not leave them alone. A promise that he would send them another helper who would be with them forever. A promise to send the Holy Spirit to dwell with the disciples and be in them. Thus, already prior to his death, Christ reassured his disciples of his constant love and his abiding faithfulness. Although he would no longer dwell among them, he would send the Holy Spirit in his place to be their helper. We all know that the Holy Spirit was active among God's people in the Old Covenant. Yet we can still speak about the coming of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. For this is how the Scriptures speak. The prophet Joel spoke about how in the latter days, God would pour out His Spirit on all people. The fact that the Spirit would be poured out means that one day he'd be present in God's people in fuller measure than before. This prophecy makes it clear that a time was coming when God would dwell among his people more intimately and richly than before. The scriptures make it clear that while the Spirit was active in the Old Covenant, there was still distance. While God dwelt among his people, 
He was still separate from them. Under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out, as he would be in the new covenant. John the Baptist spoke of how he baptized with water, but how the one who would come after him would baptize with the Holy Spirit. In our text, Jesus promised, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. This promise was repeated prior to Christ's ascension into heaven. In Acts 1, Jesus commanded the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Father. He told them they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Thus, in redemptive history, we can speak of the time when the Holy Spirit came. Our reading from Acts 2 makes it clear when the Holy Spirit was poured forth on the church. Acts 2 verse 1 tells us that the 120 disciples of the Lord were all gathered together in one place when the day of Pentecost arrived. Thus, prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, our text speaks about the day of Pentecost. The reason for this is, is that Pentecost was in the first place a feast celebrated by God's people in the Old Covenant. Pentecost is the Greek word for 50th. This feast was celebrated 50 days after the preparation of the first fruits of the barley harvest to the Lord. Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks or as the Harvest Feast. It was a joyous festival in which Israel celebrated the abundant blessings God had given in the produce of the land. Something like our day of thanksgiving for God's blessing on our crops and labor. In this feast, the people were required to bring the first fruits of the wheat harvest to the Lord. In it, they celebrated the new life God had given them. In holy service to the Lord. Our gracious God chose the day of this feast. When many Jews from throughout the world had gathered in Jerusalem. To grant his spirit to his church. Acts 2 verse 4 says that Jesus' followers were gathered together. Who were gathered together were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In his Pentecost sermon, Peter made it clear that this was in fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. He said in Acts 2.33 that Jesus, being exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Christ not only delivered his people from the bondage of sin, through his death on the cross, he continued his work of salvation by granting them his life-giving spirit. That's on Pentecost Sunday, we remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. Yet, beloved, the question still remains. What does this mean for us today? Are we in some way also allowed to partake in the blessings of Pentecost? Living in the last days, do we also in some way share in the blessing of the Holy Spirit?
Yes, we too have received the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. At our baptism, the Lord has made wonderful and gracious promises to us. We hear these promises repeated every time someone is baptized among us. The Holy Spirit assures us He will dwell in us and He will make us living members of Christ and of His benefits. These promises are not just derived from our baptism form. They're based on what the Bible teaches. Christ commanded the apostles to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We could read together from Galatians 4 about how, through the redeeming work of Christ, we're adopted as God's children. Paul says in Galatians 4 verse 6, And because you are sons... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. He says in Romans 5, verse 5, that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, both as individuals and as church. We're called the temple of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God dwells in us. Thus we see that the Lord Jesus has fulfilled his promise to grant us the Holy Spirit. This brings us to our second point, and it will see how the Holy Spirit helps. In our text, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit by a specific name. Jesus promised he would give his disciples another helper the spirit of truth. The Greek word for helper is paraclete. A paraclete is someone who is called to your side in order to help. A paraclete either appears on another's behalf as advocate, defender, or intercessor. Or he gives protection, help, and security serving as helper, counselor, or comforter. Thus, we have been given the Holy Spirit as our defender, our intercessor, our comforter, and counselor. It's striking to note that in our text, Jesus speaks about giving another helper. In 1 John 2, verse 1, Jesus himself is called a paraclete. He is our helper in the sense that he is our advocate or our intercessor before the Father. When we pray to God for forgiveness for our sins, Christ will plead our cause before the Father. He mediates on our behalf. Yet we do not just have a paraclete in heaven. On the day of Pentecost, Christ fulfilled his promise to give the disciples another helper. The Holy Spirit has come to this earth to serve as our paraclete, as our helper. He dwells in us to help us to live our lives in the service of God. Now comes the big question. How 
Does the Holy Spirit serve as our paraclete? How does he help us? Our text gives us a clue when it calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. Remember the words that Jesus spoke in John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thus we see the Holy Spirit helps us by leading us in the truth. He directs us to the Savior, Jesus Christ. John elaborates on this in chapter 14, verse 26. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. He was sent by Christ. So he also directs us to Jesus Christ and to the life there is in him. Jesus says in John 16, verse 13, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. Jesus said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we see that the Holy Spirit has come to make us share in Christ and in all his benefits. How does the Holy Spirit do that? The tool that the Holy Spirit uses is the Word of God. In Ephesians 6, verse 17, the Word of God is even called the sword of the Spirit. God begins his work of grace in us by the preaching of the gospel. Through the preaching, he calls us to faith in Jesus Christ. He continues his work in us by the hearing and reading of his word, by meditation on it, by its exhortations, threats, and promises, and by the use of the sacraments. That's why attending worship services and studying God's Word are so important. For it's through the Word that the Spirit leads and directs us to Christ. So we see that the Spirit helps us by being a wise counselor. He works the Word of God in our hearts so it becomes part of us. He makes us want to live for Jesus Christ. He gives direction in the very problems that face us in our lives. Are you faced with questions about how to go forward in a particular situation? Well, God's Word provides answers. It gives direction in the most confusing circumstances. All we need to do is to study it diligently, praying for direction and insight from the Holy Spirit. He will help us. For he is our paraclete, the promised helper whom Jesus has sent to live in our hearts. There's another way in which the Holy Spirit serves as our faithful helper. He helps us to pray. Paul writes in Romans 8, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, 
For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There can be times when life overwhelms us to the point we don't even know what to pray for. Yet the Spirit knows our spirit. He knows what lives deep inside. He takes our groans. He directs them to God, asking him to help us in our time of need. Beloved, what a comfort this provides for us. The Holy Spirit is Almighty God. We have God living in us. He knows us intimately. He loves us deeply. And so we may have confidence to call on God at any time and in any circumstance. We just need to direct our hearts heavenward, pleading for help from our gracious Heavenly Father. And we may be assured that even if our needs and desires may be unintelligible to others, or even at times to ourselves. God perfectly knows us, and he will grant us grace and strength. For the Holy Spirit has promised he will intercede for us, laying our prayers before the throne of grace. So far in our sermon, we've seen that at Pentecost, God fulfilled his promise to give the Holy Spirit as helper, in our text, we see that Christ has promised the Spirit will abide with us forever. In our final point, we'll see in whom the Spirit abides. There's a question that often arises with the baptism of our children. If God is faithful and his promises are sure, why is it that covenant children sometimes turn their backs on God and want nothing to do with Him? At our baptism, the Holy Spirit assures us He will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ. He promises to cleanse us from our sins and renew our lives daily. Are these promises real? Or aren't they? Beloved, be assured. God's promises are certain. Our faithful God keeps his word to a thousand generations. We may rely on his steadfastness and faithfulness. What we need to understand is that God's promises are not made in a vacuum. We need to appropriate them in faith. We need to make them our own by believing that what God says is true. Paul makes his point very clear in Galatians 3.26. He says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. In Galatians 4 verse 6 he says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Thus we see that God's promises apply to all those who receive them with a believing heart. 
They need to be accepted in faith. Please note what our text says in verse 17. It makes it clear that the world cannot receive the spirit of truth because it neither sees him nor knows him. In John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He is speaking about those who love him and who keep his commandments. To them, Jesus says, he will pray to the Father and he will give them another helper to abide with them forever. This blessing is not for those who do not know Christ or for those who have rejected him. It is not for those who follow Satan's lies, who live their lives for themselves instead of for God. The point, beloved, is this. Do not resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. We resist his work when we ignore the word of God, when we refuse to read it or to listen to it or to obey it. That is when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Isaiah spoke about this in chapter 63, verse 10, in connection with Israel's rebellion against God. He says that the people rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, and that as a result, God's long-suffering came to an end, and he brought judgment on his people. In Ephesians 4, verse 30, Paul warns us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Spirit when we knowingly ignore his counsel. If we know that God's word says one thing, and we stubbornly go ahead and do the opposite, then we make the Spirit sad. Through various means, he will rebuke us by a sermon, or the admonition of a friend, or through our own conscience, the Spirit will impress on us that what we're doing is wrong. But he will not grieve forever. If we say, I know what the Word says, but I don't care, I'm going to do what I want to do, then slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit will withdraw from us. Such a process does not happen overnight. God is often long-suffering with us. He knows that we are weak, that we so easily stray. Yet, beloved, we need to be aware that certain decisions set us on the wrong pathway of life. Think of King Saul. He disobeyed direct commands from God. He was more interested in his own glory than doing God's will. Think about Judas Iscariot, who was interested in power and glory and riches, and who was not willing to walk the pathway of suffering with Jesus. Each of their lives gives evidence of a me-first attitude. They hardened their hearts against God and against his word. 
They rejected the wise counsel of the Holy Spirit and they refused to repent. They not only grieved the Spirit, ultimately they quenched the Spirit's work in their lives. And the result was that they were alienated from God. Beloved, Pentecost is a joyous celebration. Today we remember Christ's gracious work of pouring out the Holy Spirit on the church. It is humbling, but also incredibly encouraging to think that Almighty God has come to make His home in us. Let it be our prayer that the Spirit may abide in us, that He may open our hearts to the gospel so we may share in the blessings of Christ our Savior, that He may lead us in the truth, that we may live in the freedom Christ has earned for us, so that sin and Satan may never bring us into bondage, but that we may live in the comfort, joy, and peace of God in Christ. Beloved, by His Spirit and Word, God accomplishes great things in this world and in our lives. Through His Word and Spirit, Christ worked repentance and faith in thousands on the day of Pentecost. We see that our Lord has transformed cultures, bringing people out of slavery to idols to serve the living God. The history of this world is actually His story. The story of what God's Son, Jesus Christ, has accomplished by His Spirit and Word. Even today, when the gospel is being opposed by many in the Western world, it's making great inroads in Asia and Africa. Jesus Christ continues to gather, defend, and preserve his church from all tribes and nations. By his spirit and word, Christ will also continue his work among us. Either he will cause us to grow in our faith and in fruitfulness, or he will harden our hearts in rejection of him. In those in whom the Spirit abides, the Spirit does a most wondrous work. He helps us through the midst of struggles and hardships that we face in this often broken world. He causes us to grow in our love for the Lord and zeal for his service. He strengthens and encourages us to live holy lives to the praise and glory of God and for the benefit of our neighbor. He unites us together in our faith. He allows us to shine forth as a bright light into the dark world around us. Let us entrust our lives to the care and direction of the Holy Spirit. For he has been given as our helper, to abide with us forever. Amen.